Wait, I almost feel like that statement leans into the question, is there a top shortage? Because there is something very bottomy about what you just said. sex education podcast i'm gabrielle cassell i use she her pronouns and i'm bobby box i use he him pronouns and we are both queer sex educators and sex journalists and today later in the episode we'll be joined by tuck malloy another queer sex educator but bobby before we bring tuck on mm-hmm. i want to know have you been on tiktok unfortunately i feel okay so there's the thing with tiktok is it's the first social media platform where i feel like i've aged out of O-O-M-E-R, please, your dusty mood, don't vibe with me. You are old and so therefore I must say ten for dinosaur eight. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, because even there's some, like, people in our industry that are on Instagram and I'm like, I like that you're doing this. Like, kudos to you. But at the same time, I feel like those people on TikTok, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the generation above us was face is Facebook. True. And then our generation's Instagram and then the generation below us is TikTok. So like that's their terrain. And I'm like, like at a school dance, I'm like a chaperone. Do you know what I mean? Like it feels like that. And I also feel a little bit that like queer kids in particular are using TikTok the way my generation or at least I used Tumblr, like as a way to explore their queer identity and to like make queer friends their age, because it's frequent that I'll like come across a video and be like, oh, that was pretty good click the person's profile, they have their name and then a rainbow flag and then their age and their age is like 16 or 17. And I'm like, oh my God, how is this legally able to show up on my feed? The way they kind of read you, like if I was on for, I think my first day and TikTok was like, this guy's gay, let's give him gay content. That's it. Yeah, the algorithm- Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And okay, so I have this weird thing on TikTok that I've really gotten into. And it's just like people buying toys from overseas, like little slimy toys and stuff. And it's like ASMR of them, like cutting through the slime and like unearthing. It's like ASMR. I am such an ASMR slut. No. Oh, no. We'll get to that after. TikTok doesn't even let you show a dildo and you're Wait, you're just talking about like child's toys? Yeah. Like it's like a woman in particular- (laughs) Who, like, she cuts up these, like, jelly toys, and I just, like, I watch them. I'm upset. <laughs> so now I just get all these, like, ASMR videos. And, oh, I didn't mention, but I'm uh, totally not wearing pants right now. So that's the first time I'm not wearing pants on this podcast. So Bobby, we're both kind of messes right now. I haven't even – it's we're recording. It's 1 p.m. I have not brushed my teeth or showered. Okay. Well, you know what? At least we're in the same boat, you know? <laughs> Okay, wait, so here's my rub with TikTok. I do like TikTok. I do think that it can be, like, creatively generative. I Mm -hmm. do think that people are finding, like, friends and partners through the app. But, and, you know, the algorithm is part of the reason that I'm seeing what I see. So what I engage with affects what I engage with. So maybe my criticism is more a reflection of me than the app. (laughs) But... So much of the shit that I've been seeing on my For You page has been really creating this idea that there are two lesbian genders. You are femme or you are butch and you must be one of those two. And then they like create these like assignments based on 
like those two genders. So like if you're femme, you're a bottom and you're this and you're this and you're this and this is what you wear. And if you're butch, you must be a top and you must like strap and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so creating and like reinforcing this idea that there is a man and there is a woman. Like there's been this like just constantly on my For You page for the last few days has been these like super reductive takes on lesbian gender. And so I've just been feeling like kind of bummed about it. I'm like. They have been taking us back a little bit because it was also the, you know, Gen Z who was saying there shouldn't be any sex or kink at Pride. You know, and it's like, they're like, we don't, you know, it, that's not what pride's about, but it's like, no, it, it absolutely kind of is. Cause sex is what differentiates us from, you know, who we want to have sex with is what differentiates us from other people. Oh, so it's like, I just feel like they don't get the history maybe so much because they've grown up a little bit more privileged with information and like access and everything. I don't know if that's what it is, but I also feel like to your point to kind of be devil's advocate, I do think that like, um, borrowing, um stereotypes and stuff is the easiest way to like project humor on tiktok so like they might just do that to be like oh well it's easy i don't need to explain but it also like you said is creating this idea of and it's setting us back in that kind of dichotomy of like you can only be one way or the other i do think that there is something radical about like the butch femme dynamic i don't mean to imply that there's not I just get nervous anytime there's media that's suggesting that to fit into one box or another, there is a long laundry list of things that you need to be. And I feel like that's what I keep seeing. Also, oh, as a sex educator, maybe you'll appreciate this. I've also been seeing a lot of videos about people being like, drink a lot of pineapple juice and eat a lot of pineapple. It'll make your pussy taste good. I'm like, we're still perpetuating that myth in 2021. And I posted about this on my Instagram the other day and everyone was like, well, not everyone, but two people slid into my DMs and were like, I think it does make a difference. And my thing is like anything that you eat or drink is going to affect your body odor and the things that you eat and like the way your sweat smells and, and, you know, your your lubrication scent and consistency and all that. So just the idea that like pineapple juice or pineapple fruit is particularly noteworthy in that instance is just, I'm just like, why are we doing that? Yeah. And I feel like people like that who kind of repeat that false information is it's across every kind of career. Like you get like nutrition, people who aren't even nutritionists being like, this is what you need to eat to get here. And it's like, what is your background? Like, how are you the an expert all of a sudden on that? We get access to this information, which probably isn't accurate. It's kind of like Facebook in that way. Like you see a TikTok and you believe it as truth, you know, and I feel like you and I sound like grumpy old sex educators oh, and queer well, people. <laughs> I'm 31 years old. Let me tell I know. And I totally feel that way too. But I have to, I do have, here's my rub with TikTok. Okay. I've been on there now for roughly a year. And I would say 50% of what I post has been taken down right away. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, why? I'm not, I'm literally, I'm educating, like there, I'm, I, what did I do? Which one has it been taken down? Like, I think I had like a butt plug in my hand in one of them and it got taken down because it had a butt plug in it. And I was like, I'm not like putting it in me or anything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what's the harm in this? Mm-hmm. It's not even like phallic shaped, you know, you know, butt plugs are just kind of, they're their own shape. It's like yeah, a two little carrots. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, 
it's just been pissing me off that like the censorship is so especially regarding education where there's guys who are like fully thrusting in sweatpants where their whole dick is visible but oh, they're yeah. still on there. sweatpants season's been crazy yeah no yeah. that's happened to me too i've had i've created probably eight videos on tiktok they've all been removed right i left the platform and just enjoyed it as like a person who was right. scrolling I recently started creating some fitness TikToks, which, in my opinion, are far thirstier and horny than any of the sex education content I've created. I don't know. <laughs> Another you know platform that hates sex educators. I mean, you know. Yeah. What's also, though, I need to add that it's about damn time that you're getting sexy on a platform because you you should be. You've got the bod. You've got the look. You've got, you know, you've got the sensuality. Get Thank out you. there. Thank yeah. you for saying that. I've been I've been posting like somewhat thirsty for me photos on my social platforms recently. Like I my shirt like was showing my belly in the last Instagram post. So oh, thank you for the affirmation. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I have I like the way my body looks here. I'm gonna post this. <laughs> we love to see it. I've been thirst trapping for years. I love thirst traps. All right. Let's close this by saying if you're posting on TikTok, we support you. We're so glad to see that young queer kids are using the platform to make friends and community. And also, you can be queer and dress in any way that you want. And if these like other um, labels under the queer umbrella feel good to you, sure, take them on, but don't let them feel restrictive. Does that feel like a good little like disclaimer? Yes, I echo this sentiment. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, I can't wait to bring Tuck on. We're going to talk about something totally different than this. Tops. Well, I guess not totally different. No. I guess more about yeah, labels. Okay. Yeah. We're back. We're going to talk about tops and bottoms. Answer, is there a top shortage? And have a roundtable discussion on sort of queer sexuality and the labels we use. I have an announcement. I had sex with a bouncer last night. No, I did not pick up some hottie mick hot pants waiting outside of a bar or club. I masturbated with a Fun Factory dildo called the bouncer. The Fun Factory bouncer is a seven inch dildo that's about as thick as two fingers. Inside this dildo shaft are three weighted balls that are designed to bounce and roll around inside the shaft every time you move it. What this does is provide extra sensation to your vaginal or anal canal whenever you use it. I recommend the Fun Factory Bouncer to anyone who wants a little extra extra during their strap-on or pegging play, as well as anyone who enjoys vibrating dildos. Check it out at funfactory.com. Oh my gosh, Bobby and I are so excited to bring on Tuck Malloy. Tuck, who is better known as at Queer Brain Slut on social, is a queer and trans-inclusive holistic sex educator and also the founder of Intrasensual Sex Education, which is their online platform for all things queer sex education. Tuck, what a dream to have you on the podcast. You're such a gift. Thank you so much. I'm so stoked to be here. I can't wait to talk to y'all. You're both so brilliant. I love following you on Instagram. It's been wonderful to get to know you both. 
I feel like energetically space. the three of us are very on the same wavelength, just like very soft and open and similar vibes. So I'm very excited for this. I know. I hope someday we can share real space, physical space together. That would be so magical. Okay. I'm going to go on on my stance if you I don't mind. All right. Please do. So I live in Toronto and Toronto has a um, reputation for having like tons of bottoms just everywhere. And there's not enough tops. So, like they always say that um, it's like what it, Tupperware. Like there's two, you never find a top for your bottom. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're trying to cover Tupperware. So like that's, it's very, I, I've been trying to like, I've read research where it said that it's very 50, 50, that like 50% of people, gay men in particular are tops and 50 are bottoms. And then if they're not, they're just versatile Mm-hmm. And they usually top more than bottom. So I'm like, so that's technically not true. Yet every gay person I speak to is like, there's way more tops than bottoms. Mm. So what? I, yeah. Wait, I mean, bottoms well, and tops. Okay, bottoms yeah, and tops. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. A big reason I've been like asking people a lot recently. And I think a big reason that people don't consider is that the, there's a lot of pressure for the top to perform. Mm-hmm. and you know some people can be like bottoms can be judgmental at times and they'll be like oh he sucked or his dick was this size or like you know mm-hmm. things like that so there's a lot more pressure on a top to like perform at this like ability because at least in the gay space it's very like this top's gonna dominate me and he's just gonna ruin me and stuff like mm-hmm. that but it's like i just think that there's a lot of like head and like you know keep maintaining an erection um everything like that like there's so many factors that they have to consider that maybe bottoms don't necessarily have to they have their own set of challenges but i think that that's a bigger issue than people are letting on in the gay community this is exactly my stance too and when gabby and i talked about it in our instagram live that was what i was saying because like i'm a switch but um i was saying to gabby that i'm a top magnet like almost (laughs) all of my long-term partners have been um extremely toppy like not even Mm. like switchy a little bit which is strange for me a lot of my more casual partners have been bottoms um and I don't exactly know what that's about could just be random you know I'm I'm not like a case study here (laughs) like could just be (laughs) accidental but um I will say for me in my life like I have a very strong desire to top people and to dom people, but I do get insecure and I do feel insecure a lot of the time that Mm. I'm not going to be able to maintain this, um, like stoicism or like all powerful, like, because I'm not a capital T top with a period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like in the queer community, there's this like absolute dichotomy between top and bottom that you're both speaking to. It's like tops are, have this pressure to be all knowing and in all control and totally certain and expert and hard and hard bodied, et cetera, et cetera. And bottoms are thought to be like soft and submissive and all receiving and just like a dichotomy that puts so much pressure on tops and also puts a lot of pressure on bottoms to be like a very specific kind of bottom. Mm. And I think for people who like use the term receiver and bottom interchangeably, it almost can create this sort of like shame around bottoming because it's like, well, if you bottom, then you must embody those characteristics that we tend to associate 
probably falsely with bottoming like being soft or being maybe even like weak mm-hmm. yeah and it also you know circles back around too to this question of like how people are defining terms which can be very different depending on who you're talking to like I define it as a top is somebody who is doing doing the actions like putting their hands in holes or touching the person or whatever, whatever. Um, A bottom is generally receiving a a sensation or receiving a touch. Um, A dom, though, is like curating the experience of being like, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to be in the position of power. The sub is is the one who's like, okay, what does this person need? Like, I'm going to like be sort of orienting towards meeting their needs in this specific sexual context. It's really interesting that you say that because I almost wonder if people are identifying as switches or verses in order to opt out of all of the pressures that we put on or associate with tops and bottoms. Because when Tuck and I had this conversation about like, does the top shortage exist? I'm like, it's interesting because I feel like so many of my sexual experiences in the last few years have been with people who have been like, I'm a switch. And I'm like, Mm. yes, switch for switch. And then we end up like being intimate and it turns out that they at the very least have a preference for being on the bottom. Now, I don't know if that's because I'm a sex educator and therefore people just like assume that I have these sexual attributes that are typically associated with tops, like all knowing and in control and good at bed or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or if it's because they like feel shame about having a preference for being receivers Mm -hmm. as if having a preference for being a receiver makes somebody selfish, which it does not. I wonder too. Okay, here's something that I know about you, Gabby, and I'm curious how this influences this. I'm so curious what you're about to say. (laughs) Yeah, you have a vision and you have an ability to articulate, I think this is the right direction, or like, no, this is not the right direction for like projects. You know, like when we were, when we're working on this fisting class together, it was like, I'd be like, okay, what do you think about this, this piece? Where should we put this in the class? And you'd be like, yeah, no, I don't think that should be done. And yeah. I'd be like, I mean, I- did a very similar experience. I was just going to say, like, this podcast, uh, Gabby is definitely the top of this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a million percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're you're more assertive, but where I'm passive, you're type A, I'm type B. So like I'm very just much like you get what you need to do. Like I it's not good of me, but I have gotten into the habit of caring about their orgasm way more than my own and half the time I won't even get off because I just want to get them off and then after the experience I'm like well I hope you enjoyed yourself (laughs) like anyway (laughs) you know like it's it's gotten to that point to where like maybe it's just been like relationships I've been in or like my own insecurities being like I can't own my orgasm all the time but like I want it to be like them to be like I had a great sexual experience with him he got me off really, you know, and it doesn't really matter if I got off, even though it does. But this like me getting the other person off before myself stems from when I was closeted and I wanted, I didn't want my female partners at the time to know that I was um, not interested necessarily in their Like I was just like, I have to prove to them that I'm straight by being good mm. in bed and like mm. having this erection that's, you know, and being this dominant, you know, everything like that. So it was like, 
I've kind of carried that into my queer, more authentic life as well. Okay, here's a question too, because I feel like for me, I've had moments when I was receiving something, you know, receiving any kind of act from another queer person of being like, holy shit, this is so vulnerable because like I'm so gay right now. Yes. Has that, have either of you had that experience of like an internalized homophobia coming up um, of being like, it is so obvious how gay I am in this moment because I'm so turned on and like really, it's really noticeable to this other person. And even though we're like literally having gay sex, (laughs) I'm like, how embarrassing of me to be so horny for this queer person. (laughs) Yeah, no. And like, it's, it can even impact the way, like, if I am bottoming as like someone who is, you know, six feet tall and like over 200 pounds and stuff like I, you know, they want me to like, you know, maybe growl and like, you know, be like the big guy kind of in those situations where it's like okay so i've got to play a role right now do you know what i mean like is this how i want to authentically act right now where sometimes yes but not all the time you know so it's like sometimes i just want to be like held and loved tenderly you know what i mean so like like whatever noises come out of your body like if they could just come out naturally whether it's a growl or a whimper or a moan or whatever that sounds like like it would be so nice for you to be able to show up and be like in one sexual experience be like I can just like you know my body can just sort of like arrive here with whatever sounds or shapes it makes and it's even very similar to even like dancing like dancing I can't you know some of my friends they'll just like they'll be voguing and everything like that and I'm like damn I just gotta let my shit go and do this like they Mm -hmm. did you know, like, you know, maybe that'll just come with time, but, um, I do notice it, especially like even in social spaces sometimes I'm like, come yeah. on, Bob, let go a little. Yeah. That's so real. I feel that too in like a gender dysphoria way. And I feel mm. like those experiences are connected in like the desire to maintain, um, masculinity in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is like, a shared struggle for for anyone who is who embodies and like presents as more mask um like learning how to lean into moments where we're softer or or perceived or or just fear being perceived as more feminine even if Mm -hmm. we're not being perceived that way Mm -hmm. um like for me like I think about dancing too I Mm -hmm. I love dancing and um yeah coming out as non-binary and being like oh wow you know I really I'm wanting to present more masks like I'm wanting to to make transitions like medical transitions in my life to present more masks and being like well how does that yeah like how do I show up for my my body that wants to move in certain kinds of ways or like feels good moving in certain kinds of ways um when that feels like such a such a disgendered thing yeah such a gendered thing Mm -hmm. and I think this I mean it's like bottoming is gendered like even if as a queer community like we are working to move away from that yeah it is still gendered it is associated with femininity and it is associated with um passivity which is like there's so much fear of femininity and misogyny in absolutely the experience of mm-hmm. bottoming which is why bottoms are 
so powerful. <laughs> yeah. And I even realized like when I, similar to you, you said that um, you usually were in relationships with tops, but mm-hmm. other situations, not necessarily, it would just run the gamut. And yes. um, I found that in my relationships where I was kind of the designated bottom, the, our, our kind of relationship followed a role where I was being, you know, the more, submissive one or the more like quiet and demure and you know following those traditional roles of like okay well you're you're the you know if this were a straight relationship you're the wife mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it just fell into place like that and I was like is this really just because of like the positions we take in bed that this just naturally flows this way yeah it right. it's, it's like even when you're in a queer relationship you haven't totally escaped like heterosexual expectations yeah definitely not and I feel like again as sex educators um and as queer people there's kind of this like unspoken like none of us want that like all of us are like we don't want to be held down by these roles so I think sometimes there's a desire to be like let's like not talk about that or like you know, let's just pretend like that's not a factor here that's informing the way that we relate to other people when in fact it is because this is like, it's still, this is happening in our society right now. Of course, it's going to impact the way that we relate to other queer people. And I do think it'll change. Yes. I, eventually. So. But yeah, because things have changed so much just for like queer people in the last five years. There's mm. been a huge shift I found at least, or maybe it's because I'm I've really kind of dove headfirst into like my queer life and I live in like the gay village and it's very like so I'm surrounded by that I don't know say if I went back to where I was from if I'd feel that same way Mm -hmm. but Gabby you recently moved out from like the big city like do you find how has that been for you like in terms of your queerness and stuff um I was not really involved in the queer scene when I lived in New York City my life there was really structured around my work life, which was like super cis and het and straight, and CrossFit, which was also pretty cis and het and straight. And mm-hmm. so even when I lived in a place where I had easier access to queer community, if I wanted it, I didn't feel like I was totally in queer community versus because I'm living in suburbia and I have to more actively seek out connections with queer people in order to like see queer people and like interact with queer people every single day. Um, I'm, I've, I've just been more intentional with it. Yeah. And actually something interesting I want to respond to that Tuck was talking about in terms of like, have you ever experienced internalized homophobia in the bedroom? I definitely have experienced internalized biphobia in the bedroom mm. in almost the inverse way. So up until the point I was 23, I had exclusively had sex with women and non-binary people. And I felt really comfortable with my identity as like a lesbian or a dyke or a queer dyke. And then I had sex with a cis dude and he was fingering me and it felt fucking phenomenal. Just anatomically, his hand was larger than the hands that anyone who I had been fingered by previously was and therefore he was like able to access like a deeper hot spot inside my body that I was responding really well to and I remember in that moment feeling so vulnerable as if the fact that like he was able to access this pleasure point must capital m 
mean something about my sexuality because I was experiencing this next level of pleasure during that fingering session, even though I ultimately like wasn't romantically attracted to him. Like there was definitely a moment of just complete vulnerable by panic, both like at the end of that sexual interaction and honestly like lingering after that relationship ended and he was not fingering me anymore. (laughs) What an interesting example again of a time where like the the social context of a situation like all of this cultural context is online for you in a moment when your body is just experiencing like a high amount of pleasure like that just sounds really intense and I'm aware of how intense it is to be a person and have all of these like you know like co-mingling experiences of like in that moment that you were like having this really pleasurable moment uh yeah like your brain was like uh actually like interrupted (laughs) you cannot just enjoy this we have to like (laughs) we have to dissect we have to understand excuse me me. i am your like brain yeah inner demon yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have definitely had that experience as well um I like for, I mean, I have, I had sort of a contract, like an opposing or not opposing, but like opposite, I guess, experience of, um, most of my life up until I was like 21, 22, I had sex with only cis men. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I was like, so into it. Um, and then I had sex with queer people and I was like, holy shit, this is like, also fucking awesome (laughs) like so I feel like you know it's been really interesting to like integrate all of those experiences and I think I had a desire to be like at like over and over again I felt a desire to be like well which is like who where is it better like Mm -hmm. and then ultimately what I realized is that looking broadly at all of my sexual experiences like some of them have been not good some of them have been fine and some of them have been really great and there have and those have existed with all genders of people um and that feels kind of edgy to name in myself because I think I have a desire to be like um to basically be like yeah cis men suck and I don't want to have sex with them but like I've had sex with like straight cis men that was good um and that feels edgy as like a queer I love hearing you this it's it's really one of the first times I've heard a queer sex educator kind of like name that like the sex that I had before I like acknowledged queerness within myself like was actually like okay in moments and I enjoyed it it wasn't like I had sex with another queer person and then it clicked and my entire life made sense you know sometimes it's not that black and white yeah sometimes it's not that deep (laughs) yeah no mine was like i just i remembered the other night um i went out for drinks with a friend and we were talking about before we came out and having to like not having to but to fit in you would have sex with like you know i was a cis man so i had to have sex with cis women because that was what was expected of me so i me him and i both said that like we just explored like the almost not quite it's not trauma i'm not gonna go that far but we would have like panic attacks before we would have to do it because we'd be like Mm. i don't want to do this at all but i have to do it because if not everyone will think i'm gay 
I get a lot of questions in my DMs about cock rings and their advantages in the bedroom. So here's a quick lesson. Generally speaking, a cock ring has two main uses. First, it helps support an erection. And it does this by restricting blood flow out of the penis, which makes the erection bigger, firmer, and more sensitive. Some also say the resulting orgasm is more powerful as well. Its second purpose is to provide added stimulation during partnered sex. And when it comes to powerful vibration and superior engineering, the Nose by Fun Factory is as comfortable and flexible as they come, hosting dual motors that hug and nuzzle the clit. If your partner doesn't have a clit, I personally recommend you wear the Nose upside down, so the powerful vibrations tickle your testes and the underside of your shaft, which, in case you didn't know, is far more sensitive than the top. If you're interested in getting your hands and penis on the nose, head over to funfactory.com for more information. I wanna know what it's like inside the hot machine. I wanna follow the light inside the hot machine. Gabby, do you find that um, maybe because of your like muscles and everything? Because I remember you said when you got like jacked, you a different type was drawn to you. Do you think that your appearance leads to people assuming things about you? I'll, t- I'll share with you a DM I literally got 20 seconds before we hopped on this recording, okay. which was from a femme person who was who asked me if she could flirt with me, and I said yes. And Ooh. she said, like, when I look at you, all I can think about is you picking me up and throwing me down. Okay, that's a fine flirt. That's, like, a hot thing to say to somebody. But the reason that, like, there, like my body is the thing in that fantasy, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like my muscular capacity is the thing in that fantasy, mm-hmm. and so I definitely find that my body is eroticized in a really specific way. Um, Does that feel objectifying or like fetishizing to you? Like, do you, does it feel does it feel off to you, or does it feel like something that you want to engage in? You know, I really like being called strong. That is like one of my favorite compliments somebody can give me. And I really like it when my current sexual partner like notices the parts of my body that are changing based on whatever cycle in my workout I'm in. Mm -hmm. What I have found is really hard is that as I have updated my online dating photos to match the way I currently look, which is muscular, almost all of the first messages I get are people complimenting me while simultaneously putting themselves down. Mm-hmm. So somebody might be like, you're so much stronger than me, or remind me never to um, get into an arm muscle- wrestling match with you, or um, like, I bet you can squat two times what I can. Like, there's these like little things that people will send me and I don't think the intention there is bad, but I so don't ever want to enter any conversation with somebody on an app that starts from a place of bodily comparison. Like mm-hmm. that feels really toxic and unhealthy and unfun for me because I mean, so many reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mean, yeah. Also, correct me if my, I'm wrong, but the vibe I get from you is that like you think lots of different kinds of people are hot. Like, I don't get the vibe from you that you'd be like, oh, you don't look exactly like me, so, like, you're not hot. Oh, I mean, I will date somebody who is my dyke-alike, but that is certainly not my only type. Yeah, totes. So I feel like that's also, I mean, I, I feel like that probably comes from a place of insecurity of being like, oh, you 
look this way. So you want everyone else to look this way. It's immediate also. red flag of a, of a first message though. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you see me on Tinder, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, right. I mean, I'm sure you two also like in your dating life have had people say comparative statements about your body or the way you look or how you present your gender, like whatever it is. I feel like in the queer community, we have to be so careful about that, especially when we're engaging with people that have similar genders to our own. You know what? Not I, I'm surprised that I haven't had that like much at all. But Oh, wait, people, I'm shocked to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, gay men, I've found, at least in my experience, aren't ones to put themselves down. If anything, like they're going to brag <laughs> about themselves to be like, Instead of like saying something like like that might bring them down, they'll say the opposite to bring them up. So it's like, no, I am on par with you. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm. they build themselves up instead of kind of like are being a little like, oh, I'm going to submit to you by giving like being like you're so much bigger than me, blah, blah, blah. Does that make any sense? It does. How about in terms of like penis size? Does that does comparison oh. ever happen there? Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I might be like, I'm a self like I'm not a size queen whatsoever. And, um, but a lot of people are like, they'll be like, a lot of the profiles are just like hung for hung. If you're not this big, like, don't bother messaging me, things like that. So it's like, you have those. Yeah. Hey, get a, get a nice, uh, dildo. Exactly. Put it on your dick. Then you're hung for hung at all times. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's okay. I actually, I'd be really curious to hear y'all's stance on this. Like, I have a deep desire to normalize and encourage people with penises to wear um, strap-ons if they want different kinds of sizes. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Bobby, like, have you had experience with that? Like, do you have thoughts on that? Because I feel like if I was, like, interacting with the cis, like, if I was, like, a cis gay dude and I was, like... Um, or even just as I am now, like if somebody was like hung for hung, I feel like, fuck yeah. Like I literally can have any dick size. Like what's up? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think if that were, if it were more normalized among cis gay men, that like, that would be a solution to people who are insecure about their dick size because Mm -hmm. it is, it's like go, go gadget penis. Like I'll put on whatever size I want, you know? Yeah. And, um, I've had, I've, um, cause you know, as sex educators, we get shipped toys. So Mm-hmm. someone sent me um it's this thing where you put it over your penis but it's just like a penis extender and it wraps around your balls so it like stays secure yeah. that's what i was so, talking about earlier like okay. that's kind of penis extender yeah, yeah. Like, so i have used one yeah and um the person i used it like you don't get as much sensation as the top but as the, the bottom was like holy shit that was incredible does you it know feel like I mean? a penis hug or does it feel like nothing um, yeah, a penis hug's a good way to describe it for sure. Did you, yeah. Did you yeah. lube up in there? Um, yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I lubed up and then I really <laughs> lubed up the toy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. And that's something that like you brought it up and I don't think I would have mentioned it, but I'm glad you did because this is a legitimate toy that not enough, especially cis men know about yeah. to like really use just to their, like you said, like to build their confidence if like maybe they aren't you know they're average or below average yeah 
Love have that. you have either of you tried this sex toy that was recently released called the Baldo, which like is said to turn your balls into a phallus? Bobby, oh, do you know what I'm been. talking about? Yeah, they shipped me one. I did like a video on it and everything. Oh shit, I wanna yeah. watch it. Now I'm so intrigued. Yeah, so I haven't used it yet because I've only recently been like <laughs> sexually single and stuff to like really try it out but i mean I'm, i will why not i'm so intrigued by this yeah. is a very intriguing toy i am extremely interested totally there are so many questions <laughs> yeah. <We have> questions <laughs> i'm interested i'm intrigued but yeah okay Oh my gosh, Tuck, you are such a genius of a sex educator. We'd love to have you back on. We were supposed to talk about fisting and we didn't even get to it. So hopefully next season, wink, wink, hint, hint, you'll also want to come back on. Um, Can you tell our followers, our listeners, where they can find you and follow you and keep learning and unlearning from you? Uh, yes, absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm at queerbrainslut. And my uh, website is intrasensual-education.teachable.com. So you can buy like recorded workshops. Mm. Um, I also have my Erotica Bedtime Stories podcast on there. So you can listen to me read Erotica out loud. And uh, yeah, and then I also, you can also email me at tuckmalloyeducation at gmail.com. I, I really like I, my DMs are very open. My email is very available. It's a value of mine to spend like 30 minutes to an hour every day, just kind of like checking in with people um, who have questions or concerns. So yeah, feel free to reach out. This has been so lovely both of you are delightful and brilliant and it felt so easy to talk to both of you about all this stuff like i felt so i felt so grounded this the feeling time. is beyond mutual On next week's episode, Gabby and I chat with the creator of the Purity Culture Dropout Program and sex educator Erica Smith. We discuss the adverse effects of growing up with purity culture, how purity culture specifically impacts queer people, as well as advice on how to identify and unlearn its harmful messaging. A reminder to follow Gabby and I on Instagram and Twitter at Gabrielle Cassell and at ByBobbyBox. And don't forget to follow our incredible sponsor, Fun Factory, at Fun Factory USA, and our senior producer, that's right, she got promoted, y'all, Vivian McCall at Pansy is Gay. Music for the Bad in Bed podcast is provided by Hot Machine, a project from Philly bands Rubber Band Gun and Star Morals.